and it was sitting on the edge of a cliff overlooking the ocean. And I had this distinct experience where the boundaries of my body felt as though they completely dissolved. This is a bonus episode of Raw Material, a podcast by SF MoMA. I'm Ross Simonini, and I've been your host for a season of Art and the Unknown. I've never been that interested as an artist in kind of joining onto or embracing a particular point of view in its entirety. Would be more interested in trying on ideas. The artist Desiree Holman studies esoteric systems of thought, mysticism, occultism, astrology, animal magnetism, and the belief in extraterrestrials. She refers to herself as an armchair anthropologist and embeds research into her work. But more than the phenomena, she's studying the people who believe in them. I'm interested in demographic questions about like who is interested in these ideas. I'll be interested in the kind of symbolic nature of these ideas, especially as it relates to social equality. Holman's work takes many forms, sculptures, performances, films, drawings, paintings, including one portrait of a woman in an alien mask, which was hanging beside Holman when I stopped by her Oakland studio for our conversation. The painting that you're referring to that is a portrait of a person wearing an E.T. mask, me in fact, in this particular one, is born out of research into accounts of abductions and E.T. sightings in mostly the Western world, where the figuration of the extraterrestrial has changed quite a bit historically and you can pretty neatly map it alongside civil rights movements and and social rights movements and see how that figure has altered. So in the 50s, for example, the typical um, account of an extraterrestrial would be basically something that looked humanoid or looked like a human but was just a little bit taller maybe whose head was a little bit bigger but had bright blue eyes and blonde hair very Aryan looking and then slowly you see this figure change in accounts again all throughout the western world where the figure changes into something that is first gray skinned And that happens in the 60s. And like the nose shrinks, the mouth shrinks, the eyes get bigger. And eventually the body dwarfs and shrinks. And it looks as though it's moved beyond sexual dimorphism. So we get a kind of androgynous asexual body. And we also get an image of extraterrestrials where the head grows. Holman investigates how humans use stories and images of extraterrestrials as ways to deal with their own personal reactions to shifting societal norms. I like to think about these extraterrestrials as kind of moving beyond the triune brain 
And so perhaps this extraterrestrial has like a fourth, fifth or sixth or seventh layer to the brain because it's humanoid, right? We're seeing it in our own figure where we imagine kind of moving away from a reptilian, strictly hierarchical or mammalian predator prey or heavily emotionally based brain. And so it kind of gives us potential for humanity to move beyond some of the bigger social issues that we suffer from today. But it's also quite scary, right? It's like kind of embodies our fears of colonization. So in a nutshell, that's part of my, a big part of my interest in the figuration of the extraterrestrial. Holman also attends meetings with people who claim to have been contacted by aliens. Contactee culture, as it's sometimes called. And she's interested in the kind of thinking that surrounds the abduction experience. Perhaps they're apparitions, perhaps they're real experiences, it kind of doesn't matter to me. But I'm kind of explicitly not interested in truth. I'm much more interested in the symbolic nature. So I don't feel compelled whatsoever to question people's experiences. The non-mainstream narratives that we live by are really interesting and can be really safe places to explore things that are really difficult to talk about. I am pretty focused on how white Americans in particular have historically dealt with multiculturalism and multilingualism in their communities through some of these ET narratives. That has changed, so I'm looking at it more through a historical lens. I think there is some, there's quite a bit of othering with the extraterrestrial. And also, I think there's a way, kind of in the instance of like indigo children who purportedly, and when I say purportedly, I don't mean in a pejorative sense, because again, this could be true. And I say that sincerely whose um, DNA is purportedly altered by extraterrestrials. It's also a way for them to be other. It's a way for people to become distinct and special. Heavy metal And the feeling that I'm yeah, I gotta go and make it happen Catch the world in loving ways Fire all your guns at once And explode into space Like a true nature child We were born, born to be one We can fly so hard Never wanna die Born to be The Barney and Betty Hill case, I think, is is pretty interesting. That's probably the most famous American um, ET abduction story that happened in the 1960s. There was even a made-for-TV movie about it that you can watch on YouTube. But they're a couple based in New Hampshire, um, a state at that time that was, I mean, still, was predominantly Caucasian. 
and they were a couple um, of a Caucasian woman and an African-American man. Um, and it sounds like they were living in relative isolation and that there weren't other people that sort of had that same kind of profile. And they got abducted and they describe it in a gray alien. It's like the most popular and first widespread dissemination of that, kind of that particular figure. And, you know, the background to their case is that they were experiencing a lot of bigotry and discrimination where they lived. They also describe the alien as being like in some kind of mix and in between kind of racial mix. Holman doesn't draw conclusions in her art. Though research is essential to her work, she is in the end an artist, not a social scientist. And her work is about observing and considering and synthesizing research into art that allows the viewer to draw their own conclusions. There's also interesting historical tracks around like like in the 60s, 70s or 80s or 90s there's kind of trends around abduction and like what happens. So for example, in one decade abductees tended to be like anally probed and in another decade um, and then they would just describe it as as being raped basically that was a, a, something that would come up a lot and then another time they would there were a lot of accounts of that sleep paralysis you know other styles other things that that the the ets were looking for violating the body or or there were times where it was like a pleasant experience I think one important distinction in kind of thinking about myself as an armchair anthropologist, um, uh, other than the kind of obvious um, lack of training and the output, all of these things, is that where I can access these narratives, I will participate in these communities um, sincerely and kind of try on their ideas in a, in a sincere way in an open not only an open mind but an op- with an open heart as well Raw Material has been produced by the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art and me Ross Simonini all the music you heard today was by the Space Lady and Ars Sonar this has been a short holiday bonus episode just in time for that alien visitor who comes down our chimneys and eats our confections. Thank you for listening. Last night you